Volume Two, Chapter Seven of Garcia Moreno by Augustine Berth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Garcia Moreno, President, eighteen sixty, eighteen sixty one. During the last fifteen years, we have admired Garcia Moreno as a patriot and head of the opposition, determined to deliver his country from the tyrants who oppressed her. We have now to follow him and his government of the country he had saved. The problems he had to solve appeared almost hopelessly difficult. Ecuador had to be brought once more under the guidance of the Church. But how? All were imbued with modern ideas. The liberals considered that the Church should be subject to the State, the radicals and Freemasons that she was an enemy who must be destroyed. Even good Catholics hesitated between the inalienable rights of the Church and the pretended rights of the people. These discordant elements, it is true, had been united at a moment of common danger, but once the critical time was passed, the coalition became almost impossible. Garcia Moreno had also to face the violent opposition of the defeated party, and of those numerous followers of Urbina, Robles, and Franco, who still remained in the civil and military departments of the state. Garcia Moreno was then only the head of a provisional government. His first business was to call together the chambers, which were to give the country both a new constitution and a president. Now, in a republic, the electoral question is of primary importance. It is a signal folly which some people hold as a theory that the government should keep itself aloof from elections. It is to abandon the people to the intrigues of villains who may flatter and deceive them one day while they trouble them under their feet the next. As things then were, Garcia Moreno's only chance was to reform the whole electoral system. Under the Spanish dominion, Ecuador was divided into three great districts, Quito, Cuenca, and Guayaquil. Each was to send ten deputies to the convention, so that Guayaquil and Cuenca could always checkmate the Quito deputies, who were mostly conservatives, although the population of the latter province was three times as great. Hence arose the anomaly of a Catholic people being almost always represented by liberals or ultra-radicals. Garcia Marina determined to destroy the root of the evil by fixing the number of deputies according to the population of each province. Every twenty thousand souls would thus have a right to a representative in the chambers. This dealt a mortal blow to the revolutionary supremacy. The radicals understood this so well that they organized a formidable opposition to the new electoral law under the direction of Pedro Carbo, who had been created governor of Guayaquil. Garcia Moreno answered him by a magnificent letter, in which he exposed the fallacy of the old system and the absolute necessity for its revision. But he went further still. In order to destroy the oligarchy of the great towns, where a certain number of rich men and radicals influenced all the electors, he issued the following decree. The election will be based on the numbers of the population. Each fraction of twenty thousand inhabitants will elect a deputy. The election will be direct and the suffrage universal. Every citizen of twenty-one years of age who can read and write will be qualified to vote. The rage of the radicals knew no bounds, but the people flocked joyfully to the urns, too happy to give worthy colleagues to the man who had saved them, so that the conservative victory was complete. The radicals resorted to their usual methods of revenge, sedition and the dagger. Three days later an odious conspiracy was discovered to assassinate Garcia Marino and proclaim Pedro Carbo as president and it was only by being unexpectedly summoned to Quito that Garcia Marina escaped. The convention met, and never was it composed of more heterogeneous elements. First appeared General Flores, whose noble conduct in the last struggle had effaced the recollection of the past. 
Garcia Moreno, his old enemy, would only see in him the brave soldier who had conquered the enemies of his country, and he was named President of the Congress. Around him were grouped certain notabilities of the conservative and Catholic party, and even some members of the clergy. But there are different shades both of conservative and Catholics in these days, and many of these very men had their heads riled with utopian notions as to the separation of church and state, the federative system, and other theories which were popular in New Granada and elsewhere. After the opening sitting on January 10, 1861, the provisional government gave a succinct account of their proceedings during the last fifteen months, and resigned their powers. The report of their proceedings during that time was received with tremendous cheers and applause. It was at once decreed that the members of the provisional government had deserved well of their country, and that the bust of these three great citizens should be placed in the government palace to perpetuate the remembrance of their glorious services. Garcia Moreno was the most warmly congratulated and appointed president ad interim. His decree declaring the Blessed Virgin the special protectress of the Republic was confirmed, and special thanks were voted to the army, which by its bravery had saved the Republic. But this touching unanimity ceased when it became a question of the revision of the Constitution. Garcia Marina earnestly desired that to Ecuador should be granted a purely Catholic Constitution, but finding it impossible to develop his whole plan at once, he contented himself with setting aside, for the moment, all that paralyzed the action of the Church. The first proposition declared that the Holy, Roaming, Apostolic, and Catholic Church was the religion of the State to the exclusion of all others. This was no innovation, as it had been always admitted in the Republic. But the wind blew from another quarter at that moment. Everyone was in favor of liberty of worship, liberty of conscience, modern progress, and the like. A noted ecclesiastic even ventured to make a speech of Mirabios, declaring that God, being as visible as the sun, an official recognition of his power was a superfluity. Fortunately, these ridiculous declarations roused the whole country against the speaker. Garcia Moreno used all his influence to bring back the younger deputies to more healthy ideas, and in the end the article was maintained. Another burning question was the federal system. Should Ecuador preserve her unity, or be divided into small independent states like Switzerland? Garcia Moreno vigorously opposed the division, proving that it would result in a bitter antagonism, which would end in a civil war and destroy the resources of a country which had a small population, though an immense extent of territory. After a very stormy debate, he carried this point, also by a large majority. The only remaining subject of discussion was as to the extent of the executive power. Garcia Marina contented himself with asking, first, for the ratification of his electoral reform, and then the division of the province of Guayaquil into two, so as to withdraw the plain from the disastrous influence of the city. These two measures were agreed to, and the Constitution was voted. The election of a president then became the order of the day. By unanimous vote, Garcia Marina was elected, and thus the whole nation, by its representatives, did justice to the great citizen, who for the last fifteen years had labored solely for the honor and good of his country. At first Garcia Marina refused the honor, alleging the insufficiency of the powers accorded to the government by the new constitution. He ended by yielding to the entreaties of his friends, who saw in him the only man capable of regenerating the nation, and so made an appeal to his conscience and his devotedness. To prove their good will, the deputies hastened to vote certain organic laws, of which they perhaps did not see all the bearings. 
they decided that a concordat should be proposed to the sovereign pontiff and be carried into execution without waiting for the ratification of a future congress by this door the new president hoped by degrees to pass all the measures necessary for the liberty of the church they also decreed the reorganization of the finances of the army and of public education besides the construction of a carriage road between quito and guayaquil garcia moreno whose extraordinary activity and genius were well known received the mission to carry out this magnificent program they were in fact his own plans and in passing them the deputies were only following out his inspirations but no one guessed at the colossal proportions he was about to give them in fact in spite of the hostile elements of which the chambers were composed garcia moreno had contrived to set aside all laws contrary to the interests of the church or the state and obtained carte blanche to carry out his much wished for reforms this was at starting a wonderful success in the volume two chapter seven